what's going on guys we're back with another episode of canadian beef podcast today we're joined by big mo uh, morgan mcdonald just won his pro card this past weekend we're also joined by my co-host paul how are you guys doing today uh i'm doing i couldn't be better <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm definitely still on cloud nine from this weekend so uh I'm, I'm soaking everything in still and uh obviously i mean robin you know what it's like it's pretty overwhelming like the first like few days after i mean you get a lot coming at you and stuff, but I'm just trying to embrace everything. And, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing great. And thanks for having me on guys. Uh, yeah, cool. just excited to get on and, and talk shots. So it's cool. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, man. Um, I saw you backstage, uh, after you won your pro card and I think you were like, you were mumbling something to yourself. Like you couldn't believe it or you were so happy. I don't know what you were saying, but you could tell you were like, very very grateful you know what i mean oh yeah man that, i mean it was it's definitely been a long road for me like you know i started kind of chasing after this back in 2013 and uh i was like looked like a swimmer <laughs> like you know i was like i was like the six foot two like heavyweight bodybuilder on stage i just like really looked like he didn't belong but i mean i just got i just got hooked after that first show and and you know decided like my initial goal was just to win a show obviously uh just because I remember that first show I did, I saw the guy that won the overall and I was like, man, I need to know what that feels like one day. So like, whatever it takes, I'm just going to do that. And I actually didn't even win my first overall until this year. <laughs> so it was a long time just like achieving that first goal. And then obviously the main objective this year was, uh, you know, hitting the pro qualifier. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I was pretty fired up back then, man, especially, you know, after taking the overall, but um I, I, it's funny you say that. I can't remember that exact moment because all that happened like super fast. But yeah, I, that, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure I was probably <laughs> saying something to myself, you know, about just get getting the job done and, and finally, you know, kind of getting getting rewarded for all the work I've been over the years. Like, you know, yeah, I saw you running to the back, like running past the past the stage. You were prior to because we were in the same pump room. You were a zen as you were zen as fuck. I mean, you were you were really zen. You were sitting there, quiet, you know, feet on the ground. I don't think they were up in the air, but you were you were zen. You looked like you were in the zone. Yeah, I think uh, you know, doing a couple shows already this year, um, you know, probably gave me an advantage, you know, to some of the other competitors, just in a sense that I, I noticed backstage a lot of guys were very antsy. And you could tell like they probably hadn't competed for a while and like they didn't really know kind of what to do with themselves, especially, you know, how shows are like, they tell you to be ready and then you end up getting on your feet and then you're waiting for a long time. Like I kind of knew that was coming. So instead of like, I really just, like you said, I just kind of laid there and just tried to relax. And for me, you know, visualization is like a huge thing and it's something I use a lot and it, it really keeps me calm, especially like going through anything stressful, like doing a show. So I really just try to relax when I'm backstage and kind of visualize myself going out there and posing and, and, and things like that. And it just keeps me calm, which is obviously good if you're trying to keep cortisol levels low. And then, uh, you know, I, I find I don't, it just keeps me focused instead of being like starting to get food focused. I think that happens to a lot of people too, especially like if they, if they're trying to time things and the timing's off, like they end up eating too much, maybe drinking too much water and stuff like that. And uh, you can kind of mess yourself up backstage if you're, if you, if you lose focus like that so yeah i try to stay chill and uh i uh, i was definitely trying to play the whole like lay low and then take off your clothes at the last minute thing mm -hmm. 
But, that's uh, a good. Yeah. That's a good point, though. I mean, uh, I think a, a lot of people kind of they uh, they miss their mark because their mind's not where it needs to be. Just backstage, just during that that small amount of time, or maybe it's a long amount of time, depending on what class you're doing. But for bodybuilding, you know, generally um, the show is either like you know late at night, like nine nine p.m., like the Toronto Pro, for example. We don't go on stage till till nine p.m. Uh, but in your cases, like you're going on stage at like nine a.m. You know, so that's that's very different in terms of like you know, how you're, you're, you're progressing your mindset throughout the day. Um, there's challenges for both, right? Cause, cause in one hand, you've got the entire day to think about what you're about to do. And the other hand, you only have a very short amount of time to think about what you're going to do. So I think, you know, it, like you were saying, it's very critical to have that visualization because if you're kind of waking up, you're kind of groggy, you're getting meals in, you're rushing backstage and basically then you're on stage. It's like, well, you didn't have that you're actually not prepared at that at that moment, right? You haven't you haven't actually gotten yourself prepared for that show the way that you need to be because your your mind is not quite collected before you step on stage. And you know, I think it's cool to talk about the fact that uh, visualization plays a huge role uh, in in how you perform because I think I think I said this before on the podcast, but you know, you you don't you don't necessarily get. Uh, what you intend, you you get what you've prepared for. So if you're not preparing not only physically with the posing practice, but then also when you have the downtime, you're you're practicing in your mind uh, on how it's going to feel and how it's going to look. You know, putting yourself on that stage is actually like something that you can practice as a as a uh, a skill, right? It's a skill to be able to visualize things like that. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree totally with that. Yeah, and I think go, go ahead when I touched on this before too, I, I think it was us that we're talking about. If you're not ready, you know, that day, if you're not ready before hitting the stage, you're not going to be ready, especially when it comes to the physical, the, the fullness. Um, you know, if you're not carved up properly, it's nothing like not shy of a cookie is not going to change your placing. Right. You know, I think you're right when you're saying, well, uh, people are like, uh, you go by Morgan or Mo. I'm sorry, I, I just uh, either one. Like mostly people from home calling Mo or Big Mo, but uh, yeah, you know whatever doesn't matter. Yeah, I think you you got you hit the nail on the head, Mo, when you, when you said like you know people are too focused, they're hyper focused on you know when they're eating, when they're drinking, when they're pumping up, and those manipulations probably don't matter much at that point, mm-hmm. and you're gonna end up just messing your physique up. Um, I, I, I kind of, I've been talking to Robin a lot. Robin's put my, my, myself at ease for these shows. And I've noticed the three shows I've worked through, um, since I've known Robin, they've all been back to like yourself. I I went back to back to back to back all the way to nationals and every show was progressively better because I was like mentally prepared for the shows. Mm -hmm. And that's what really did. That's what did it, you know, being mentally prepared, not thinking about, um, you know, how much the pump ups going to affect me, how much the carbs are going to affect me, like right before I get on stage, you know, how much honey I'm eating before going on stage. Is it going to affect my vascularity, like the glycogen? I think people get hyper focused on that and they end up messing up their look. Yeah, I think, you know, it, like I said, like, you know, just having that experience of doing a couple shows already this year. Uh, I think that, you know, just playing apart, like just being able to stay relaxed. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Like, and, and that's the other thing. Like I knew I was really in condition for the show. And I, I kind of knew like when I woke up Saturday morning, like, you know, it was, it was definitely the first time in my career where I looked at myself and I knew I was like on, like, you know, probably close to a hundred percent on, uh, especially when I looked at my glutes and my lower back and, and saw how in they were. So at that point I knew, and, and because of the good, like 
we had a really successful tire book Thursday and Friday. Uh, like I knew we were good. And I, and I, you know, remember saying to myself Saturday morning, I was like, I need to do like the least amount as possible, like from now to the time I step on stage. So I really just ate, like, you know, we had like one meal in the morning, just like some chicken and rice, a little bit of fats with that. And then like leading into the show, I might have had, you know, 50 to 70 grams of carbs just from like a few rice cakes. And uh, I think the only thing that in like calorie dense I had was I ate a Snickers bar maybe a half an hour before stage. And for me, that's mostly because I knew, you know, for how big of a guy I am, I hadn't had a lot of carbs leading up to that point. And I was more concerned with like possibly going hypo on stage or something if we had to do like a lot of posing or if they made us, if they worked us really hard. So I just made sure I got some like good sugars and fats in a half an hour before. And then, you know, it ended up uh, being pretty much perfect. And then I could tell, like, I didn't even pump up backstage really. I, I mostly just hit a couple rounds of poses like right before I went out. And I could tell just by, like the mind muscle connection I was feeling and like the fullness I was feeling when I was flexing and posing that like I was perfect. And, you know, I, I, I had the fullness I needed because I could literally feel the muscles pushing up against the skin when I was posing. So nice. That's a, that's a good point too, about doing that pump up because I actually didn't do a pump up when I turned pro either. And then when we did Paul's show, we didn't do much of a pump up. We just focused on hitting those poses the way we need to hit them. Because at that point, the only thing that a pump can do is, maybe make you look like one or 2% better, but it could also make you look like 20 or 30% worse. If you, if you get too much of a pump or you time it wrong, or you get a little bit flat after the pump starts to dissipate, or you just use up energy and you're just tired and you can't hit your poses as well. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen there at that last moment. I think what you got to do is you got to, you got to realize that it's like, you know, certain people are going to look good when they have a pump in certain places. Like when you're at the gym, it's like, well, when I get my chest pumped, that's when I look the most impressive. Maybe you just focus on doing a little bit of that. It's not like you need to pump up all my buys, my shoulders, my back, my chest, a little bit more in the tries. It's like, you know what? At that point, like the work is pretty much done. All you can really do is just present yourself the best. Yeah, I think I think focusing on those things is uh, like completely unnecessary, right? Because, you know, like if, if you're really ready and you've carved up properly, like you should literally be able to just stand up and hit a few poses and, you're, and you should come to life. Like that's kind of why I go that route because in the, in the shows I've done earlier this year, I keep, people keep telling me like when I first go out on stage, like I, I would kind of look a little flat and like not a whole lot of pop, but after a couple of rounds of posing, everyone just kept telling me like you come alive, like everything looks more conditioned, you look leaner, your muscles look fuller. So then I just kind of took that and I was like, well, maybe I should just start posing before I go on stage. And then, I mean, that's the kind of approach I took and it just obviously went a lot better than pumping up or trying to do anything. And the, and the other thing I think too, and, and uh, I noticed that a lot of shows is guys start pumping up like way too early. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you get in that game with yourself. So, yeah. you know, the, the, whoever's working backstage tells you, Oh, get ready to go on. So you start pumping up and then you find out it's another half an hour. So then these guys like, are like, Oh, I just tried to pump up. Oh, I think I'm going flat. And then they start eating more food. Yeah. And they end up going on in 20 minutes. The food's not digested. And all, all it has done is distend their stomach or something like that. Right. So exactly. Exactly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go and like, you know, start eating chips or like gummy worms in between your workouts at the gym. So why would you do that backstage? It doesn't, if you're going to drink any, you know, a little bit of carbs, like, you know, carb powder, cyclic dextrin, something like that. Sure. I mean that if that makes sense for you then, or, you know, like you had the candy bar, if that makes sense for you, then, then do it. Right. But yeah, it doesn't make sense to try to get, blood in a muscle and then put blood back into your gut and then go back and putting blood into your muscle. It's just like, okay, this is just too exhausting for the body at that point. Cause you're so sensitive to everything. So. Yeah. And it's like, if you just have to relax and wait until 
like it really was 10 minutes before he went on stage, then you could probably just nail it. Right. So that, that was kind of my whole thing. Like I, I knew, and I, and I could just see how it was going backstage on Saturday. Like they were calling classes really early. Yeah. So like until they like physically made us like, like I was even like a little bit late getting backstage because they were like, okay, super heavies, like get backstage. Like that's when I finally got up. I got my glaze done and then I went back. So I was probably on my feet for maybe 10 minutes before I got on stage. Yeah. That's what I try to do too. It's not always possible. Sometimes they, they make you go and line up, but if you can, you can just wait till the last possible. I remember uh, at the Toronto pro, they were like, they were trying to line us up really, really early. Um, And I was laying on the ground. Actually, Ian Valier was lying beside me and I got up and they like, they kept on coming over to him. They were like, you got to get up. Like, and he's like, Oh no, like, don't tell me when to get up. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) because you know, right. And like, you you know, you do it long enough and then, and then you know how it can affect your look, man. You're going to stand on your feet for half an hour right before you go on stage. Like for sure. Cause then then you can start thinking, right. You start moving too much, start thinking too much. And yeah. Yeah. And then there's the anxiety and the stress and, and none of that stuff comes right. So. Posing, I think, is the one thing that it, it wakes you up to. Like it, it'll wake your body up more than a pump will because it's it's requiring more uh, like mental energy, more so than like physical energy because you really have to focus on how everything feels versus like with a pump, it's kind of mindless almost. So I feel well, like that's that's what gets uh, you ready. Yeah, yeah, I know for myself, like, and, and it's kind of like a like a running joke with me and my coach. Um, like my when I send update pictures, like my first round of posing, like honestly, always sucks. Like, like I'll, I'll take a round and, and most mornings I'm obviously prep and tired and stuff. So like I'll just send it to my coach anyway, cause we're just trying to see my condition, but he's always like, okay, like this pose gotta be fixed. This pose gotta be fixed. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's my first round. Like, you know, it always sucks. Mm-hmm. So, and then once I do two or three rounds, like I kind of get like the mind muscle connection going. I feel my body a bit better and my poses just look better. Like, you know, like lats are popping more, like chest is flexed, legs are, you know, showing more lines because I'm flexing them harder. So that's the other thing too. Like I know like if I just like went, like got up and went right on stage without doing any poses, like, you know, my first round of poses might not look so pretty. So, you know, just getting like kind of locked in mentally with it. Uh, and like you said, it, it kind of wakes you up mentally as well. So when you go on stage, you're just absolutely like ready, right? A lot of you know, when you're posing, you know, and I never thought about this until I started really posing with Robin this weekend. Like it's a lot of cueing. I mean, first you're going cueing your legs, cueing your like your lower leg, your hamstrings, your glutes, your low back. You're pulling backwards. You're pulling your you know, for the the rear poses. You're doing so much at once, and it's almost like a checklist. It's like mental cues. Okay, yeah. am I am I engaging my hamstrings right now? Okay, are my glutes flexed right now? Okay, is is my back arched? Am I up enough? Um, is my footing appropriate? Is my balance on point? Am I positioning myself like that's the first thing I think you've got to actually think about in the queuing? Is my balance on point before I start this? Because mm-hmm. if you're improperly balanced, then your your whole pose is going to get fucked up. So it's like you said, like when you get out there or when you start your your posing, your first round. You, you don't have all those cues in place. I think it takes, unless you've been doing it for years and years and years, but I think even then, you know, every, every show you've got to kind of get the cobwebs out. Yeah. I, I, I know for me, like I definitely don't consider myself a strong poser. I think that's something I really, really got to work on like between now and the time I, I do my first pro show. Uh, but like, I, you know, this prep was definitely the most I've ever practiced. Like I was probably doing 40 or 50 minutes of posing like every day total between the morning and the evening. 
and it definitely helped me like make my mandatory poses good enough. Um, but, but yeah, like that's, and that's kind of where I exactly, I feel like that's kind of what I've, I, I don't want to say perfected, but it's what made my posing as good as it is now is like having that mentality of like having like a checklist for every pose. Right. And then obviously the more you practice it, the more you go through it, the more automatic it becomes, the smoother the poses look and you kind of transition to them better and better. Right. So, so yeah, like that's my exact methodology I'm posing as well. So um, when you're, when you're doing your 40 minutes posing or 50 minutes posing per day, which is a lot, by the way, I don't think people uh, really understand how much posing that is, but that's a hell of a lot. Um, so are you doing rounds after rounds and you're just going through mandatories or are you holding certain poses for an extended period of time? Like, what do you do during that time uh, to make it like as efficient as possible? So I'll, I'll be honest, like in saying that, like the biggest reason behind that uh, for me, like, well, the initial reason, then it kind of just became a habit. And then something I just felt like I had to do every day, but uh, was because I have like really flat feet, like, like my feet are completely flat to the ground. So it's pretty bad plantar fasciitis. Uh, and that like kind of causes my feet to like really want to turn in a lot. Mm. Uh, so it makes it hard to pose obviously because you know you want the weight on the outside of your feet so you can push out and that allows you to push your knees out and hips out and stuff like that so you know because i hadn't competed for so long when i first started posing again like i could i could barely pose my legs just because of like you know essentially my ankles and knees and hips and everything were out of line so a lot of my posing practice was me just like getting like a better mind muscle connection with my legs so i could hold them while i was doing like the rest of my like posing my upper body essentially right so a lot of that a lot of that posing practice was me hitting my front poses like my front lats front double and front lat and literally just holding my legs for like you know up to two or three minutes at a time and just like transitioning through those like uh those those front poses um but yeah so it would basically do like in the earlier stages of the prep i was posing a lot in front of the mirror but I would just essentially gradually, as the weeks went on, just start doing less rounds in front of the mirror and more rounds in front of the camera. And then I would just go back and review the footage and make sure that I was like hitting the poses properly and stuff. And like, if I reviewed the footage and I didn't have a good round of posing, then I would probably make myself do five more rounds until I felt like I did a good enough job to where I would stop. So, you know, that's why I think sometimes my posing sessions would be 30 minutes, sometimes they'd be 50 minutes. It would just uh, kind of depend on like if I was satisfied or not with the videos right yep and i think that's honestly what makes the difference between having like good conditioning and like great amazing crispy crazy conditioning right it's like that time that you put in like with the isometric contractions on those poses it's just it's a game changer man i think you know cardio can do so much but then there's also that that interaction between that muscle and your brain and your nervous system and then like your metabolism when you're just posing all the time that just it does something. It does something to the quality of the muscle. Oh man, uh, I would say a hundred percent. And like, I mean, I would put myself through those period, uh, those posing sessions pretty hard sometimes. Like, there would be a pool of sweat underneath me. So, it mm. essentially becomes like an extra cardio session that, like, you know, when it comes to your diet and stuff, you're not really taking it into account. But like, you're sort of just doing it anyway, right? So, yeah, I I, I would totally agree. And I think, like you said, like those isometric contractions and stuff, like they definitely harden up the muscle. And then I think between doing that and then me being essentially in stage condition for six weeks, leading into nationals, like my skin just kept getting thinner and thinner. And then, uh, yeah. you know, it, it all just kind of was a big part of me peaking, like when I had to peak, right? 100%. 
Yeah, it, it really pushes a lot of water out of the skin. It's like, like you were saying, you know, you got a, a pool of, of water underneath you. It's like I was standing on a towel and also having another towel to like wipe down between every couple of rounds because it's, yeah, it's like doing the stairs. <laughs> yeah, man, and that's how that's how posing practice should be. And I mean, uh, and now that I've, like, like I said, that's the first prep I've ever done something like that for. But to like reap the reward from it, like I mean, yeah. that's going to be the agenda on every prep I do moving forward, obviously, because clearly it makes a difference, right? Yeah. If you're in a good lineup um, and, and make you go through the, the poses, you know, first call out three or four, four times over, three times over, you're going to get gassed. And if you don't practice, you're going to be even more gassed. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing that was in my head too, because like, I mean, you're going to nationals, and like, I knew there was some good competition coming, obviously. So I was like, man, we could easily get a judge that wants us to do five or six rounds, and uh, you know, you definitely don't want to be the guy that comes second place because you gassed out, right? So, you don't want to be that guy sweating all over the stage either. It's like yeah. you gotta you gotta sweat and practice because otherwise, there's nothing like there's nothing worse than being fully tanned and then getting on stage and sweating in your tan runs. It's like you know, and you're, and you still have to stay up there while you're sweating. So people are watching this, you know, I was like, why is this guy sweating so much? It's like, oh, I should have fucking practiced more. And you're up there, like, like literally telling yourself, like, I fucked up, you know? Yeah, dude, exactly. And like that, and I mean, for everything else you put into a prep, it's like your worst fear. Cause it's like, you just end up getting, you know, your tan goes to shit and that's why you don't look as good. And it's just, you know, when it's something that you could have did different and it just came down to your effort, like I know for me personally, that would kill me. So that, that was one of the reasons I kind of became so obsessive over the posing. And then as well too, like when I start doing something in the prep and if it starts working and helping me look better, then I feel like I just had to do it every day or else it's kind of like a day missed or, or, or it's something I didn't do that I was supposed to. Yeah. And I mean, it got brutal at times. Like it definitely, you know, it, you know, this prep was not easy, but obviously, you know, that's what it took. Right. So what did, what did your day look like? Did you do your cardio in the morning, train in the evening, uh, and, and pose after training or how, how did you set up your, your sessions between like training, cardio, posing, all that stuff? Well, I would like, as soon as my feet touched the floor in the morning, I would, uh, just put on my posing trunks and like go like hit like five rounds of posing in the mirror right away. And that was just like to like my muscle connection like early in the morning like when i was super tired and i like, felt groggy i just wanted to be posing like when it was like probably like the hardest and then i would like take my pictures from my coach after that um yeah then i would go hit cardio faster cardio right away um come home get in two meals uh hit the gym and right after i work out i, I live like literally a two-minute drive from my gym so I would just go home right after I was done training, put on the posing trunks, and then I would pose for about a half an hour or like however long it took. Um, and then I would get my post-workout meal. And then a lot of times there would be a second cardio session. Um, and that, but that would mostly usually be walking my dogs, depending on like how high or low my weight was that morning. Ron would either tell me like, okay, go do like a gym cardio session, which would be a hard cardio session, or he would say, just take my dogs for a walk, which would just be like a late 20 or 30 minute walk just to get extra steps in. Uh, yeah. And then I basically just come home and eat a couple more meals and go to bed. But, uh, you know, every day was like the exact same. Yeah. Right? So yeah, that was basically it. That sounds like long days. And it's funny because like a lot of um, people believe that you need to rest a lot when you're in prep, but I think for proper conditioning, you know, movement is key. 
to keep yourself busy. It also keeps you off your mind off eating because that's another thing you get. Focus on the food when you're in that state of you know conditioning where your body fat super low and your blood sugars are just you know always low and you're starving. You're starving. You just want to eat. And you don't want to eat fibers because you're going to bloat the shit out of yourself. And you just want to keep your mind active, right? And what better way like, than to walk your dogs? It doesn't have to be like fucking Stairmaster for five hours, but it's a light activity that keeps your mind, you know? And you're focusing on prep all the time. No, absolutely. And I'm one of those guys, man. Like, I really stay busy. Like, uh, one, one thing I'm fortunate is, like, I, you know, my full-time job is just being an online coach. So... You know, oftentimes in between meals, I have like some type of client work to do, or even now I'm trying to do a lot more like YouTube and, and just putting out content on Instagram. So I would always just like make myself be like, okay, I got an hour to kill off. Like, let's go do something for this sponsor or put out a, make a post for this sponsor. Or, you know, like you said, just try to find ways to be productive, but also, <laughs> I mean, the motivation is to like not cheat on your diet essentially, right? So you end up being like ultra productive, but I mean, it's all good, yeah. But the dogs, yeah, the dogs were also good. Like, you know, I have two big cane corsos I got to take care of. Oh, shit. Uh, actually, towards, like, the last couple of weeks of, of my prep, that was my only cardio because we had to start bringing cardio down where, like, my my body was just on fire, you know? Like, last two weeks of prep, I think I had Burger King, like, six times. <laughs> and, That's and crazy. <laughs> yeah, my cardio was, like, super minimal, like, you know, so, yeah. yeah I think I heard you talking to Dorian about, so you were talking to Dorian about that, uh, why, why Burger King? You just, do you like Burger King or what? Super close to my house. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that's what I keep saying. Like about this prep, like I was so like focused and like isolated. Like I did not want to go like anywhere or drive any distance. Like we actually have, we, we got five guys here recently. It's the first five guys in, in Newfoundland or like St. John's where I'm from. Yeah. And, and I was like pretty pumped about it, you know, and like I went and got it once, but just the fact that I had to go in there and like be around people, <laughs> like I was there, five guys are going to have to wait until the show's over because like, I just need to be able to like skip the dishes or, or drive through. And uh, but yeah, Burger King was, was good. Um, it, it was just, just to keep consistent. And um, my coach is just like a Burger King guy. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, you know, anytime we get a cheat meal, it would be the exact same burger, same large fries, same cookies from Subway. So whenever we did anything like that, we did try to keep it like exactly the same, right? Cool. So Dorian was saying that you guys used to work together and now you're working with Ron Parlow. Um, when did you start working with Ron? Uh, back, I guess, like March, around March, April like when the competitive season was kind of getting started, like when we actually had like show dates set in stone for July, you know, from where I was at, I knew I probably need like 12 or 16 weeks. So that's when okay. I started. And so you, um, you only started working with Ron for this prep. You did your own off season. It was really weird year, right? Because I was working with Dorian up until July, 2020. And, uh, and that was great. Like we got me huge, but we were getting ready for the Toronto pro, which ended up getting canceled. So when I started that prep with Dorian, I was like 3.30. And then we got down to about 300 pounds. And then the show got canceled. And that's when, like, the pandemic was, like, at its worst. And, like, so no one had anything to do. So I basically just maintained, like, 300 pounds until we got through the pandemic. And then things started to come around. So when I started with Ron back in March, that's kind of, like, where I was at. And then uh, yeah, and then we just started the prep for the shows in July, which it ended up being 18 weeks from the start of the prep to the first show I did. 
And then from the first show I did, it was like six or nine weeks total to nationals. So, you know, you're looking at, yeah, like 27 weeks of prep and run. Cool. Is there any differences that you've, oh, I guess you didn't do a prep with Dorian, right? So you can't compare too much, but um, is, is there anything different that you're doing now with Ron that you, that you were doing, that you weren't doing with Dorian or, or vice versa? I would say like, if I had to compare them, I would say Ron is just like, it's, it's definitely like a different approach. Like I found Ron's just more simple in his approach. Uh, it was just more like, you know, you know, less um, like variants and supplements uh, for sure. Um, yeah. And just, a, and just less changes in general, I would say like throughout the process, mm-hmm. um, you know, Luckily for me, like, you know, Ron made himself available for me every day. So, you know, we would talk every day, but my diet changed maybe four times, you know, four or five times throughout the entire process. And like, we we basically ended up just having like four or five diet based plans that we would kind of like go back to depending on where my weight was at or what my look was. And it would just be like, okay, go back to this diet or we'll do this diet or, you know what I mean? So but uh, I mean, when I was working with Dorian, it, it was great too. Uh, you know, I, I think you know Dorian was just, uh, yeah, just just more more variance. Um, you know, more changes more often, like depending on what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't the only word I can think of is is complicated, but like I don't want to say it's complicated as in it was like harder to do. There was just kind of like more to it. I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. you're you're all the way on the east end, and you pick someone literally as far as possible away from you, all the way on the west end. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, man. Like, and the reason is, it's just because Ron, you know, has had shown interest in me and just like what I was doing, like like maybe two years before he we even started working together. Um, I guess he kind of just saw my potential, and uh, you know, just through social media, would just kind of like message me every now and then and just see how things were going. And just kind of like, you know, making sure I was still working hard and stuff like that. Um, and, and actually, you know, even before I initially went with Dorian, uh, I was kind of talking to Ron about coaching at the time. And I was kind of between the both of them. But I had already kind of just like told Dorian like before, like I committed to him before. So ended up going that route. So then when me and uh, Dorian kind of went our separate ways, um, which was completely like cool, by the way. It was just like, you know, just like a mutual split sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I knew right away, like Ron was the guy I wanted to go with just, you know, and at, and at that time he had his podcast and stuff going for a while. So I had like, a lot more insight on, you know, the type of coach he was and his approach to certain things just because, you know, all the, he, he put it out on, on YouTube essentially. Right. So mm-hmm. I thought we would be a good fit and I messaged him. And when I messaged him initially, I was like, Hey man, like are you taking clients? And, he was just like, nope. And he was like, but I'll take you. <laughs> so, uh, so that was pretty cool that he was willing to take me on, even though he wasn't trying to gain any new clients or anything like that. So, and then, yeah, we just, you know, we saw eye to eye and everything. He actually, I mean, we had two hour and a half FaceTime calls like before we even started, you know, so for him to take the time to do that with me and like, you know, make sure we saw eye to eye on training. We had the same like uh, ideas about nutrition and things like that. Uh, before we even started kind of showing me how interested and invested he was uh, in, in helping me. Right. So, you know, he, he made it easy and uh, you know, I couldn't ask for a better coach. I think we're, we're a perfect fit. So uh, oh. what I'm looking for, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing an off season with him now, of course, and just, you know, have a bit more fun with that and, and yeah. get the focus on getting stronger and improving training and stuff. So, yeah. 
it's pretty I was going to say, uh, it, you know, you guys are going to work together in the offseason. It makes sense because you, you really just, you know, when you're looking for a coach, what I think is like the most important thing that makes a good, successful coach-client relationship is just, it's it's just that, is that it's a relationship. You know, it's like you're you're not just going to be able to hook up with anybody in the world, you know, even though there's, there's millions or, or thousands of great coaches out there. It's got to be the one that you have the best kind of synergy with. Like you, you know, can feel like you can be open with them. You feel like that they care about you. You feel like you can, you know, have like that uh, similar minded conversation where it's like, you know, if, if it's Mo, like, Hey, you know, I want to go this direction and Ron, like I, I want to go in a completely different direction. It's, it, it might be like either direction is, is valid, but it's just that you have to be like in the same place with that person. So that you have the shared vision, right? Cause without that, it could be the best program, best protocol, smartest coach in the world but if it doesn't sync up with what you have in mind your ultimate vision it, it, it has to right so that's cool man um so going into the off season um what what are you going to be doing this off season in terms of like what's your main priority going into your pro debut and then i also want to get into what you guys have talked about if you've talked about it already for what you've decided on your pro debut yeah, um, well, I was lucky enough to get feedback from the head judge uh, like right away. So that was cool. Um, so I know, and I mean, you guys know what it's like, like you kind of know what you need to work on anyway, right? And then you know, if, if, if the head judge's critique ends up being your own critique, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> so I know for my pictures, um, like my shoulders need a lot of work for sure, just especially with my structure and like, how big my quads are and stuff like that. I think to com really complete like the, like the symmetrical proportion look that I want, I need like wider shoulders for sure. Um, like my back has come up a lot. Like that was my biggest priority last off season. And, and we definitely had a lot of thickness and density there. Uh, but I need more, especially being a taller guy, like obviously my, my torso is pretty long. So we need to get a thicker back and I, I want to bring up my arms. I think I'm like, I think my chest is pretty good and thick and like, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Obviously, you know, I want to improve everywhere, but yeah. And, and also the biggest thing I would say is my presentation as well. Like, even though we did all that work on posing, um, you know, my mandatories I thought were pretty good and like I could lock those in pretty good, but I just think like my, my overall presentation needs work. And then at the same time, I was told that there was a lot of poses I could do differently that would probably enhance my physique a lot just by fixing the posing. So I, I plan on hiring a posing coach uh, to work with throughout the whole off season as well. So that come my prep for my pro show, like I don't want posing to be something I have to be overly concerned about. I kind of want to have all that work done before prep even starts. So that, that's kind of the main priorities for the off season for sure. Cool, man. Before we uh, get into um, any any more of the off season, I just want to go over the. Uh, I guess you had some some good things happen to you this year prior to. This show, you said you were gunning for an overall, and I read that you no, actually it was like a YouTube video. You mentioned that you got two overalls in a row. So the Newfoundland and the one, the Gladiator before that. So, yeah. So I'll explain this because this is actually a little confusing, probably for some people. Uh, so the first show I did this year is was called the Gladiator Showdown. And that's like a it's basically like this big like invite only. Uh, promotion in Moncton, New Brunswick, and they kind of invite like the best bodybuilders in Atlanta, Canada to it. So it's like a good mix of like pretty, pretty good guys. So that's a show I did back in 2018 and I came second to Prince Bobang and he, he ended up going pro later that year. 
so yeah, that was my first show this year. So I actually won like the gladiator part of that show, but that the gladiator part is, it's almost like a side show to that show, which is called the Atlantic classic, which they have every year, but every second year they have like the gladiator, right? So with the gladiator, like there's a bit of prize money and stuff involved. So like, that's like the extra incentive to do that. So I actually won the gladiator, but when I did, I also did the Atlantics part of that show, which was the same night. And uh, Derek Lamontag from Quebec, he came over and did that to get his qualification for nationals. And he actually beat me uh, at the, in the heavyweight division for that show. So like that show, I basically won an overall and I, and I came, I got a second place as well at the same show. And then Derek is who I ended up beating in the overall at nationals to win the pro card. He came out of the heavyweight division, right? So uh, that was kind of cool, kind of getting my redemption against Derek. Like you know, me, me and him, are, we've ended up being good buddies. He's a great guy, fantastic bodybuilder, but that's that. And then, yeah, so, and then the week after that show, I just did like the Newfoundland Provincials. And the reason with, by doing that was, you know, that first show we did, we definitely didn't bring the look we want. Like I was too heavy. We didn't cut water. So we learned a lot from that show. And then going into the Newfoundland show a week later, we came in a lot tighter, we cut water, and we kind of knew that was the approach we were going to have to bring to nationals, but like even more so, right? So, so yeah, that's that's basically how all that went down. Cool. Yeah, that's a good experience. And uh, the, the reason I asked too is because I had a similar run from show to show to show, and I find it productive to go from one show to the next because initially I had the same issue. Too much water, I was up about 10 pounds. Um, I was, you know, uh, yeah, roughly about 10, 12 pounds heavier and it was water, mostly in the glutes in the midsection. And, you know, you trial and error and the next show was like pretty damn close to being perfect and then get to nationals two weeks later after that show and you perfect it. Right. So I think that's a good experience for people who are, you know, just haven't learned their peak yet, or maybe knew their peak or lost it because then you, you get to play with the variables and you get to see what really works. Yeah, like that was a, like that was our mindset with doing that was just like straight data collection, right? Like, like especially that second show, like I, I didn't need to do that, but I, I wanted to, and I wanted to like go lower carbs going into that show, and I wanted to take a diuretic and cut water, and we did it, and it made like it was drastic improvements. And then for nationals, I I actually did like a twenty four hour water cut, uh, which was like twice as long as I did for that that second show I did. So we basically realized how much like I actually hold quite a bit of water and I and I can cut water really aggressively and still come in pretty full. Like I, even even backstage in nationals, like I was still like sweating in my armpits and stuff a little bit. And like that was after like a, like a, the hardest water cut I've ever done. So, you know, I still had water in my body after all of that. So, you know, but we wouldn't have known that if we didn't do those two shows before. So it definitely ended up being key uh, in bringing that like dry look that we ended up bringing, right? Can you talk, can you talk about uh, the protocol that you you did there for the the nationals? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's pretty simple. We, uh, you know, Thursday. I don't like really keep with the water intake. I didn't really keep track. I just tried to drink like as much as I possibly could Thursday, basically, and I just had like salt high on my meals and, and, and stuff like that because we were eating quite a bit of carbs. Um, and then Friday morning, um, I, I got three liters of water on Friday morning pretty early. And then at 12 o'clock, we took a full diazide and then just cut it after that. And I would, I was sipping very minimally uh, with my meals, 
just enough to get, just so I knew I had enough water with each meal that I could digest the food. And, and that was it. And then same thing, like, I think, uh, Saturday morning I had a small coffee or sorry, I did take another uh, half a diazide at 6 PM, uh, with my third last meal. And then, uh, yeah, same thing, just sip water with meals, uh, woke up, I think we were up 5 AM Saturday morning. I had a small coffee with the only meal I had before competing. And that was like the only food intake. And besides that, I just stayed completely dry until stage. So how did your weight change from before you started the the diuretic protocol to after? Stayed the exact same. Stayed the same. Well, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I woke up at two, on Saturday or Friday morning, I was 265. And uh, before I went to bed, I was 265. And that was, that was after six, like high carb meals. Yeah. So you were filling out, you were filling out, your muscles were essentially filling out. Yeah. Yeah. So we filled up a lot and we, uh, and we, we got rid of a lot of water that day. I, I probably, I'd say I peed over 20 times for sure. Uh, That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of water came out of me, but I could just tell because even so, like I, I didn't have a moment where I felt flat. Right. As long as we kept the food coming in, uh, we were pretty good. And you know, as a guy coming in flat is like your worst nightmare. Yeah, but I, I I know just from now my experience, especially just like with this year in prep, like it, it it would be very hard for me to go flat. And I also like I don't mess around with like hardly any uh, uh, AIs. Um, you know, I, I I wasn't taking any extra inhibitors probably up until three or four weeks out, and then we just did uh, three milligrams of Rimadex a week. And that was it. And uh, uh, that was enough. And I think that's uh, that that helps a lot with that. I think a lot of guys get really aggressive with the estrogen blockers like the last couple of weeks. And uh, I think that plays a big part in flattening people out too. So yeah, being able to not have to use a lot of estrogen blockers, I think helps fullness uh, as well. That's a good point. Actually, I had a conversation with Ben Pakulski about this. I went to his muscle camp in Tampa in, in June and, and I was running some AIs. At that point, I was five weeks out and he's like, Oh man, you know, you don't need to have estrogen blockers in that soon. You don't, you don't really need them at all until the last couple of weeks. Um, and because like you said, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be one of those things that you're going to flatten out a lot more. So you're going to, you're going to think you need more food than you do, or you're going to have a hard time getting that food into where it needs to go. And then the other thing is that it makes it harder to actually burn fat. So I, I was up until that point, you know, I was probably under the common misconception that, that having estrogen is going to prevent our fat loss, but it's actually crushing estrogen prevents fat loss because you do need a certain amount, right? So maybe it makes sense if you go take a blood test halfway through your cycle and your estradiols through the roof, you're going to need a little bit of something. But if you're looking at it, which you should look at it before you just blindly take any substance, but if you're looking at it and it's in a normal range or it's probably it's even going to be on the lower normal range, why would you take anything? Now you're just going to, you're going to, do more harm than good at that point. I think you need a little bit, like you were saying near the end, just to, to get those little crispy little pieces, like, you know, uh, depending on where you hold water could be around the abs or it could be around the glutes or, or whatever. Like for me, it's on my face, but I think up until that point, it's like the less you can take the more, the better, right. Cause you're taking so much other shit anyways. But, and, and here's to where I think like being ready for five or six weeks before show can be a, a, such a massive advantage because like, when you're basically ready, 
that that's like a lot of like, you know, food, cardio training variables that like you no longer have to worry about. So when you start bringing in, like, like I brought in the Arimidex, we instantly saw how effective, like I got a little bit drier, like within a week and we were like, okay, that worked. So let's just leave that the same and like not go any more aggressive with it. Because like when we saw how that affected me, we were kind of like, I don't think we need to really be any drier than this to like get the job done. Right. So like, and you know, but like if you are bringing estrogen blockers in at four weeks out, say, but you still got 10 or 15 pounds to lose, it's kind of hard to really judge what it's doing to you, right? Mm. And then you lose that 10 or 15 pounds and then you're flat. So then it's like, is it the estrogen blockers that are making you flat, or you know, is it just because you're you died it so hard, or it's kind of a bit more complicated, right? So just being able to see how like they affected me and really okay, we only need three milligrams of the next week, that's perfect. And uh, it obviously didn't affect muscle fullness and I didn't affect how I felt because obviously like if your estrogen is too low, you're going to feel pretty crappy. You know, I, I still felt pretty good considering and, and it kept training performance high and yeah, it worked out. These are, these are like certain things that I've learned over the past couple of preps. Cause I, for the most part, I was prepping myself up until recently I started working with Dorian. Um, but you know, these are like things that it's, it's good if you can learn right away rather than continuing to make the mistake. Like, Oh, I'm just, Cause I would be the guy that people would be like, Oh, he's not going to be in shape. And then four weeks out, I'm looking behind and then I show up on stage shredded. Um, but how much easier would it be? Not only like from a physical standpoint, but also like mentally, if I could be ready when you were ready three weeks out, four weeks out. And then from there, it's like, now I can just mitigate stress and I don't have to like keep pushing up towards the show. I'm still obviously, you know, Paul and I talk about this, but like training should be like hundred percent all the way through, obviously. But like, then you can, you can pull back slightly, even on the gear a little bit, you can pull back on the cardio. You can keep your food a little bit higher, basically just reducing stress. And when you reduce stress, you're going to have a really dramatic result positively for your body. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and the food intake was crazy. Like the last few weeks, like, you know, just being able to eat 500, like with the lowest my carbs got, like the last two or three weeks was 500 grams a day on a rest day. You know, so just having that and like and like minimal cardio um, is just like so beneficial, right? Especially towards those like last few weeks of prep when like you kind of think it should be the hardest. And, and for me, it basically ended up being the easiest just because of the fact like I could eat so much and the way I looked. Uh, yeah. It's good. Yeah, I'm laughing, uh, Mo, because somewhere along those lines, I know you had some pretty shitty weeks before going well, that, that was the crazy thing about it it was like getting down to that 263 264 pound range was absolutely fucking brutal yeah right but then once i got it and held it for a bit it was almost like my body it was like almost like a new homeostasis in a way and then, and then like for me not to like go into the 250s that's when we just had to start doing the burger king and the muffins and the cookies and stuff like every second day just to keep me where we wanted me to be on stage yeah so you're essentially growing in to the show. Oh, I think I definitely did, yeah. Density. Sounds and, like and, and based off training performance too, like how my training kind of like, you know, my, my training was at its worst, like when I did those first couple of shows. And then as we got closer to nationals, like I had some weeks where my training was kind of getting back into like PR range in some of my weights and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, be completely shredded and, and lifting heavy, like you know, you're in a good spot, and especially if it feels good and like I had no aches or pains or anything, right? So yeah, all's well that ends well. I agree with that experience. I remember I had my mother come down like before my first show 
that I did in this three run, in this run of three shows. And I was like dying, dying when she, she thought, she said she, she, she was convinced I had to quit bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. It was the worst, the peak of the worstness, you know? And then you feel too good on the way into nationals. It's, it's weird, but you're looking better and looking better. Robin, yeah. probably a test, eh? Like when I made it to nationals, I was pretty calm and all considering. You definitely, you definitely improve your mindset a lot from, from the week before to, into the nationals. And, and it, it was a dramatic difference in, difference in your look too. Like, and I, I think I told Paul, but, um, but it was just interesting, Morgan, because I had one of the photographers like run over and be like, cause he saw him last week. So he goes, you know, what did you guys do differently? I'm like, I didn't do anything different. It was just, I think it came down to him being more confident, really. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Were you confident up there? Were you confident? Did you did you think you were going in there to win? Uh, oh yeah, I, I I definitely knew I like had the physique going into into it to be a contender. Um, you know, but obviously, like at that, especially a show like that, and this had been such a weird year. Like you know, you never know who's going to show up, kind of thing either, right? So, and, and I've also taken enough losses now. I went into enough shows before that I thought I was going to win, and then I'm coming second that. You know, I also didn't get my expectations like too, too high. And like, I was mentally prepared for like either result, uh, I would say. But when I got backstage, I was pretty confident, uh, like for sure, because especially waking up Saturday morning and like knowing how dialed in I was. And then obviously when you're backstage, you get to finally get a look at everyone and stuff like that. Uh, you know, there was definitely a couple of heavyweight guys there that I was looking at. And I was like, okay, like, you know, if I make it to the overall, then you know, this guy could give me trouble and stuff like that. But I think that's pretty normal for any of us to do normal backstage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely felt good enough about how I looked to, to have confidence on stage. Um, and, and I really just went out there and I knew what my strongest poses were and I knew where I was probably going to dominate most people. So I just, yeah, focus on smashing the poses and, you know, just looking at the judges and, and you know, trying to make sure that they were paying attention to me. And uh, yeah, I think it goes back to uh, like, you know, being backstage and stuff, it goes back to that mindset, visualizing and, you know, focusing on yourself, you know, because I think a, a big mistake that people can do backstage, especially is like start comparing yourself. You know, it's, it's one thing to compare yourself to people on Instagram. Like, I don't think that's a good thing either, but I think it's even more critical when you're about to step on stage because that's, that's your exact moment to like come inwards, you know, introspective rather than like, looking at what other people have that you might not have. Cause it's just gonna, it's just gonna be like di disillusion at that point, you know, like, you know, you, what you see is going to be completely different to what is actually in reality. So it's like, it's like, keep your head down at that point. Oh no. Yeah, no, I know ex exactly what you mean. Yeah, totally. And, and, and exactly. And I kind of snapped myself in, in or out of that. Like I said, that's kind of more of like initially you get backstage and you're like, you know, cause you see people like that you never heard of. And you're like, Whoa, like who is this guy? Like, it right. was pretty good like and i'm kind of like that too like i don't really realize how big i am like when i'm standing next to other people i kind of only see my size when i see like pictures and stuff like that right mm -hmm. um and, and yeah because like, some of those heavyweight guys i was standing next to and i'm like man how the hell is this guy heavyweight like you know if he comes out of the class like he might give me a bit of trouble but then i would end up just like you know getting back in my my zen that i was in and just back to the visualization just and just concern with myself and, uh, you know, literally to the point where, like, I, I really imagine myself, like, walking out on stage, like, I have the judges' faces memorized, 
It's like I, I even see them like when I'm hitting these poses, like in my visualization. And, and that really does give you confidence because when you go out on stage to actually then do that, it's like you've already been there mentally, right? So then it's just kind of the physical part that you have to perform. And, and I find that really keeps you calm as to where, like you said, if you're so distracted by what's going on backstage and all the other guys, and you don't take time to do that, you might walk out on stage and kind of get that moment of like, you could look overwhelmed or look shocked or, you know, be off balance because, you know, you have all these people in front of you and it kind of like, you know, if you're not ready for that mentally, you can throw off how you're going to end up posing and presenting. And, and like that can make or break you on your initial impact on the judges, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, if you're a competitor and you're you're kind of backstage, like talking to someone, and you're like saying anything negative about yourself. I think you're not even ready to get on stage. You know, it's like if you're if you're going over to your coach, you're like, coach, I look small right now. It's like, oh man, you're you're really in trouble. You're in no man's land. You're about to get smashed on stage if you're thinking like that. So yeah, um, well, then you know you're not ready if you're having those thoughts, right? You know you're not ready, so everybody else is going to know you're not ready. Yeah, hundred percent. It's going to show. Do you have any, do you have any tips for, for young aspiring bodybuilders? Yeah. Don't quit. <laughs> don't quit. That's what I said too. That's the number quit. one rule, man. <laughs> man. I had so many people like message me, you know, that kind of saw, I guess, how long it took me to do this. And like, you know, you know, the physique I started with the physique I have now. And like, I know like, man, like, you know, if anyone looked at me when I first started bodybuilding, like you'd be like, that kid doesn't have a chance. <laughs> like, doesn't matter how bad he wants it. Uh, but, you know, if you're really willing to do what it takes, like I, I know for me, like when I decided I wanted to do this, you know, I was a bodybuilding fan first, you know, and, and I saw early like how these guys have to live in all the other aspects of their life to be able to apply themselves as bodybuilders. So, I identified quickly that, you know, having a normal job and just living a normal life was not going to be an option if I really wanted to like go somewhere with this and, and take it as serious as I did. So like my initial goal was just like, okay, like, you know, first thing I can do is work in a gym, like at least get myself in the right environment. And then that was okay for a while, but even still being a personal trainer is not an easy job when you're trying to be a bodybuilder. Like you're on your feet all day. Like it, it does take a lot out of you. So then like my, my next big thing was becoming an online coach because I was like, okay, if I can work from home, I can really live the bodybuilding lifestyle. I can rest as much as I need to. I can eat when I need to. I can train when I want to and things like that. And, and when I, you know, basically what I'm trying to say is that you got to understand that doing this is a lot more than just going to the gym, eating food, like, especially when you get to the higher level, it's like 24 seven. So you need to have yourself in the right environment to be successful because if you're going to try to do this, but have all these other distractions, um, you don't have a chance. That's right. So. And I, I, it's a good point because I remember like, so it took me eight years to go pro, uh, eight years of competing. So I guess 10 years in total, if you don't, if you include the time before competing that I was working out, but anyways, you know, I would say to, to younger guys that it's important that like your lifestyle matches up with the lifestyle that you want in the end. Right. Cause for me, it's like, and just like you, you know, at some point you're starting out, you're going to have to work like some kind of crappy nine to five job or like an evening job or whatever. If you're in school, you're just going to find ways to make it happen. And I would, I would tell people, it's like, well, at least because someone will say, well, you know, I can't train at the time I want. I can't eat meals because my job is like this. I'm like, well, just find another job. You know, I, I was working in restaurants for many years, probably like most of most of those years, uh, leading into turning pro, I was working at restaurants because I could get free food from there. And then I would train people at night at the gyms 
because then I could get a free gym membership. So it's like, you know, I'm getting some of my bases covered and also in a restaurant, they don't really allow you to eat, but I would just like sneak away and like eat in the washroom, come back because you can do that. Right. Cause it's, it's a lot of stuff going on. People are, they're not tracking you every moment that you're there. Like if you were in like a warehouse job, for example, like when I worked for, when I worked for Pepsi, they would, they would track all the time that you're not working. Whereas like in a restaurant or like at the gym, you have a little bit more of that freedom. You can get your meals when you need to. So if, if that's something that you have to do, if you're like, Hey, I can't, I can't be a pro bodybuilder because my, my current lifestyle doesn't match up with it. It's like, just like what, what you did Morgan, you have to start matching up your lifestyle first. If you want to be a coach, you have to start coaching. You know, you don't have to have 25 clients, but you need to have at least one. And then you'll learn how to coach from there. Even if you have your full-time job and you start that side business, you can start that transition into like that bodybuilding lifestyle, right? It has to be a transition, but you have to start it. You can't just be like, oh, I want to do it, but I can't because of X, Y, Z. Exactly, man. Like that's the thing, right? And I think, you know, sometimes people look at guys like us and be like, oh, you know, like he's got a maid, he's an online coach. He has like 50, 60 clients. It's like, yeah, but like we all started with one. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's exactly it. Like there was a time, like the busiest point in my life uh, when I had to train, I had like my 10 one-on-one clients, but I also had 20 online clients. And it was like that weird in-between like transition time, right? And and trying to do the bodybuilding thing at the same time. And then luckily, like, you know, the online coaching got to the point where I could just like do that full time. And and I know that played a major role because this was the first prep, like this year was the first prep I ever did that I was only working from home. And like the ability to get nine to 10 hours of sleep every night and be on my own schedule and be able to have the same two meals before I train every day and, and all those things and being able to have that consistency is what is going to matter if you're trying to have like a pro level physique. Like it does come down to those details. It does come down to those levels of consistency. And like, you know, people will try to like tell themselves or use science sometimes to say that, you know, those things don't matter. Those variables don't matter, but yeah, it really does. And, you know, when you go through it and experience it yourself, like you learn that it does. So you got to be willing to make those sacrifices in your life to, like we said, set your life up around bodybuilding essentially to be successful. Right. But you know, you gotta also know that it's going to be really hard in the beginning, but there's always a way, like you just said, like working in a kitchen, like, okay, most people would say, and I get that. Cause like you have online clients, I have online clients and you hear every excuse, right? Like I missed this meal because of this or that. And it's like, well, I bet like if you really wanted to eat that meal, like you would, you would have found a way. Cause I know I would have went to the bathroom and pretended like I had diarrhea or something and sat there and ate it and got it in and then went back to my job. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it really just comes down to, you know, doing what it really takes. And, and sometimes it's not glorious, but you know, yeah, you guys know from, clients, from having clients, the excuses you get, the excuses you get. And it's like, you can bring chicken and rice and Tupperware. If you're working on a construction site, there's no way anyone's going to razz you if you go eat. They're not even going to see it, eat that chicken and rice if you can swallow it in 40 seconds. And, you know, if you're good enough, you could probably swallow it in 40 seconds or two minutes, you know? If you're hungry enough. Yeah. yeah. And, and people also forget, too, that, like, even when it comes out of time, like, if you, if you need an extra hour in your day, whether it's to get a meal in or get a, a workout in, all you have to do is get up a half an hour earlier and go to bed a half an hour later. Right. And like, that's not a big deal. Like everyone spends at least a half an hour of their day wasting time and doing nothing. <laughs> right. 100%. So, you know what I mean? So it's like, 
you know, if you're going to, if you're going to look for an excuse, you'll always find one. Well, that, that's exactly why I have clothing that says no fucking excuses on it because it's like, you know, I give, I give it to all my clients and like it, I wear it around. So it's like, I just, you can't at that point, you, you're fucking wearing it. Like you can't make an excuse and it doesn't matter what it is. If it's like the smallest little thing, like unloading your dishwasher, or folding your laundry, it's like, you know, if you got to do it, you just do it. And that's, that's like one of those things. It's like, you know, I, my girlfriend and I were talking about this, this the other day. It's like, we don't make our bed in the morning, you know, like that's a, that's a big L like that's, that's an L for us both that we're getting every morning just cause we leave our bed shitty all day. And then we come home, then we make it before we get into it. It's like, you know, just, just one, one small thing makes a huge difference. And it's just continuing to be efficient like that. It's like, you wake up, you get that W what's the next one, you know, and just, you keep going with that. It's like, where's looking and being excited for that next W no matter how small it is. It's like, I'm going to clean the kitchen right now. Fuck. Yeah. That felt good. I just cleaned it. You know, it's like, it might not even feel that good, but if you just like give yourself a pound in the back kind of mentally and just be like, you know what, that's a W, then you just fucking, you're putting those W's in your pocket for later and it feels good when they accumulate like that. Man, you're literally giving me goosebumps like talking about that kind of stuff because it's it, it's really refreshing from that. Like where I'm from, like there's not a lot of people that are like like-minded like me and like, like, like you guys like understand this, right? But like, yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like, you know, people... Um, I just got sidetracked then. <laughs> what, what did you say again? No, we're just, just talking about like how you can't really make excuses. Like you gotta, you gotta find a way to get those W's no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. So like every, everything you do is how you do everything else. Right. Yes. And, and that's the thing. Like I remember practically making my bed in the morning was like one of those things. It's like, okay, get up, do that. Like he said, like, take it off that's like one thing done that you don't have to worry about anymore and it's like what's next and like just having that mindset over just like even like, like doing the dishes just like small little things and like being successful and all those other things and then those habits of just getting shit done carries over to getting the shit done that's going to help you towards whatever like your goal is like you know it helps with accountability too it's funny how accountable we've become as bodybuilders i think we we have good scales of accountability or, or a good accountability like feedback self-feedback because have you ever made an excuse anywhere in life in anything in general when you make an excuse and you're saying something and, and you're telling someone why you didn't do it and you're thinking man this sounds so stupid and ridiculous. you're trying to convince yourself you, you are you're trying to convince yourself well i couldn't do you're just you're just trying to get them to you're just trying to get, get them to tell you that it's okay that you didn't do that that's yeah. what you're trying to do it's like it's like babe you know like uh i didn't go to the gym today it's like why not it's like oh i had a headache she's gonna be like it's okay you're, you're like you'll go tomorrow and you're like okay and then you feel good but it's like that's fucking <laughs> stupid <laughs> road closures and this and that no you know you'll find another gym there's right. all I kind of do that in training sometimes, like, uh, like if I have like a weak thought, like, you know, like I'll be doing like a set of light press or something and I'll be like, it'll just be getting hard. I'll be like, okay, just get 12 and that's good enough. And then like right away in my head, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, dude, like you cannot have thoughts like that. And I'm like, now you have to get 15. Do more. Like, yeah. It's like, I, it's almost like this habit I have now. It's like, if I have a weak thought, I'll kind of punish myself for having it. And it just makes me do more. <laughs> I feel so, like those days, the days I don't want to do legs, like the days I don't want to train, especially a body group. And I'm like going in there lethargic and I'm like, I just can't do this. It's like, yeah. Then you got to put in double time. And yeah. then mid-workout, you're putting in double time. Then you're not leaving the gym for another 40 minutes later, 50 minutes later than you anticipated, because then you're going hard. 
Yeah, and that's that is true. That's what ends up happening a lot of the times, right? Like if you go into a session with a weak mindset, you end up doing more than you were even originally planning on doing. Or you go into a stomachache or a headache and you're like, man, I'm really slow. And then it just picks up and it goes away and then you're fucking killing it. Yeah, yeah. but I, but I think adopting that mindset is like, you know, why we're all in the position that we're in and have like the physiques we have, right? Like you, you need to have that mentality of just constantly pushing yourself and wanting to do more because that's what bodybuilding is especially right like you guys know it's always about training harder to stimulate the muscle like it's never been stimulated before and and eating more to give the body more food to get bigger than it's ever been before and it's you know so if you don't have the do more mentality then i mean you're only going to get so far right for sure i think having having a good coach too just for those those times where it's like maybe there's there is points where you think you you should do more certain aspects maybe with gear food whatever and you got to have that coach just be like you know what pull back a little bit right now just because of xyz like whether it's blood glucose or blood pressure or xyz you know sometimes it's like you're gonna get into your own head saying like you have to do more you can't ever go back always forward never back but and it's not like going it's not going backwards but to have a coach just tell you like this is what we need to do in order to be on the same path because you want to you want to stay on that path right you, you don't ever want to have to stray from that path like for example if i had a coach two years ago i, I did a big move and it was like in the middle of the winter um and the, the night that we finished moving it was like 12 hours of moving and then 9 p.m going to the gym and and crushing legs i was like i have to do legs today and i remember like the whole day of moving i'm like i still have to do legs tonight i still have to do legs tonight so i do the legs and get home at like midnight whatever and I wake up in the morning. I, I like woke up and I was sick. I had like a really bad, like lung infection or something. And I was like, fuck, I overdid it. And I, I kind of knew it too. Cause when I was at the gym, I was feeling like a little weird, but I'm like, whatever, fuck it, push through, push through. What I should have done is just gone home and rested and then done legs the next day. But it's, it's again, it's like having that hardcore mentality that I would have been like upset with myself that I skipped it because it was leg day and you can't skip fucking leg day. But, but some, sometimes, you, sometimes you do have to have that person in your corner just so you can go over the plan with them. It's like, hey, this is the plan. Are we sticking to the plan? And if they give you the green light, you go and fucking smash it. But if they just say no, like, you know, yellow light right now, we got to take a quick break, get back in there tomorrow. That's OK, too. Yeah. But what I learned is it's almost always better to rest. <laughs> yes <laughs> like almost every single time and again especially at our level because like we're so body aware right like like you said like, and i'm the same way i had a couple of those in preps where like the i walked into the gym and picked up a weight and i just knew in my head i was like i should not work out like you know like i'm, I'm depleted past <laughs> these, these yeah. 25 pound dumbbells should not feel like 60s <laughs> like i'm still a 270 pound man <laughs> like yeah you know? But then you do it anyway, and then it's always after where you're like, yeah, that was just a waste of a session because, yeah. you know, just because of like the, the mentality. So, yeah, no, totally, man. But, you know, that's, I think if that's a battle that you're struggling with is when to pull back, you're, you're, probably, you're probably where you need to be mentally. Like, you're still winning. I think exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think mo most people need to do more. It's, mm -hmm. it's the rare exception that sometimes we need to do less. But, but it is very rare. And I, I do agree. It's like 99.9% .9 of the time we can push harder and we should push harder and we have to push harder. Yeah. Craig just, about that. Craig just said always praises people who like go the extra mile and train harder, train as hard as they can. I think that's when you walk into a commercial gym nowadays, 
And you look at most of the people there, the younger people, and they have no muscle. And they're talking about running gear or something. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's like you don't even have the first thing figured out here. <laughs> well, I think I think what happens is is people want to they want to make videos to make it seem like they're working hard. But if you're working really really hard, you don't need to make a video about it. People will just know. Oh, they'll, just, they'll 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 tell you how hard you work. You don't need to tell them how hard you work. They will literally tell you. Yeah, that that is so true, man. And and that's another thing that young guys should pay attention to while we're on that topic. Still, is that. You know, that's what you will get. And I remember me, like, you know, I never, I mean, when I first started bodybuilding, you know, Instagram was like barely a thing. Like it wasn't even in my thought process to take my phone out and take a video of myself working out when I first started. Right. But yeah, but I do remember like, just, I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder so bad. Like even back when I first started, like I was, I was training my ass off and like my leg days were brutal and I didn't really know what I was doing, but I knew that leg day was supposed to be really damn hard. So I would like watch a couple of YouTube videos of like, you know, whatever pros and just go do what they did. And I saw how hard they were working and applied that myself. And then you get people looking at you in the gym, like, man, this like kid is going hard. And, you know, if you're a young guy going hard in the gym, people will recognize that because it is kind of rare, right? Like you see a lot of young guys in the gym, just with their buddies messing around five guys on one bench press team who can bench the most. But, you know, you see that one young 20 year old kid with his hood up, that's, you know, doing squats for an hour, like, you know, that without looking around to see who's looking at him and, you know, he has a hoodie on the whole time. Like that's a kid that's going somewhere, you know, it's not the kid that spent a half an hour of his workout trying to get the perfect selfie. I like to leave my phone just in my bag. Cause I, I know like it can be a distraction. Like even, even for myself, simple thing, like switching a song, you can like get a text message and then you start looking and even if it just for a second, like, even if it just pops up, and it's just like, you know, Paul's like, hey, this fucking happened. And I'm like, oh, shit. Now I'm not thinking about what I need to do anymore. Now, you know, if it's an emergency, obviously, that's one thing. But, you know, yeah. I'm sure if it was an emergency, they'd call. Right. So yeah. I just keep my headphones on. And if I need to switch the song, I just use the headphone. Don't fucking touch my phone. If I have to take a video, one thing, that, that's fine. But I'll just get my girlfriend to do it. Like, I'm definitely not fucking around in the gym, like trying to set up like an angle, or, like set up a tripod. I think if you're doing that, it really it really takes away from your workouts. Cause I tried to do that for a couple of years, like to get my YouTube game up. But I'm like, first of all, the quality of this production is shitty. And second of all, it's really fucking with my workout. So I figure like at this point, it's like you, you either have to be all in and, and fully focused. Cause it's only like an hour, hour and a half that you're in the gym. So that's like a massive opportunity that you're missing. If you're, if you're on your phone, even for like a minute of that, of that time. I want to say this too, and like I don't want to come off as a dick, but I see like a lot of young guys like exactly that that are, you know, they have 250 followers on Instagram and they're in the gym and their biggest priority is taking videos like for content and stuff like that. But like, you know, man, like take a step back for a second. Like, what have you really done? Like that people are even going to be watching your stuff to acquire knowledge from it like you won't even lift in yourself for a year or two uh and your biggest priority in the gym is taking videos of yourself like put that shit away you know put in the work actually learn you know by really applying yourself in the gym and then maybe a year or two when you've made some real progress then you can focus a bit more on putting out content because then you're probably actually in a position to put out content that's going to help people right as opposed to 
what a lot of people try to do these days in the fitness industry and it can be done because of social media is try to skip over the hard work part and just become this like relevant person that thinks they know it all. Um, and just to put out just for the sake of being cool on Instagram or whatever, when they really haven't done fuck all. Right. It's like, you know, put in years of hard, hard training and, and then maybe worry about that stuff after, because like you said, if you're, your, your initial years in your gym and the gym are so important to growing because that's when your body's going to respond the best. If you're wasting those by having half-assed workouts because you're taking videos, man, that's, that's bad. Like that's you're you're losing out on a lot of, of gains for sure. And I think you're missing out on the opportunity to develop your, your focus, the ability to focus, right? Cause like, you know, when we were like doing our day to day, like we're pulled in so many directions all the time. It's like girlfriend here, mom, friend, boss, whatever. And it's like, you know, you're on your phone, you're on your laptop, you're, you're doing everything that's like, you got to do. And that's cool. Right. But like when you have your, your one opportunity for the day to just completely shut everything out and actually focus on one single thing, which is building your body, then you have to do that. You have to just develop that ability to, because it's a practiced ability. It's not like, Oh, this guy, he's just a focused guy. Well, he's focused because he practices focus. It's not like he practices fucking you know going on instagram and then back to his computer and then all of a sudden goes to the gym and has amazing focus it's like this is a thing that is is learned you you learn this and and your brain is plastic so it adapts to what you're doing so that's why i think it's like as bad as it is that you're maybe wasting time but you're also like teaching your brain that it's okay to be distracted and i think that's it's it's massive like five ten years down the road you're like fuck why can't i focus during my workouts that's the reason yeah, I think the motor patterns develop with the focus. So yeah. you go there and you have an initial plan and you repeat, repeat, repeat these lifts and then the motor patterns develop. And then these are like the reptilian brain takes over because it no longer takes focus, especially when you're really good on a movement. Like I know when I used to go in and do chest, I go pick up the dumbbells and I could talk to someone years after. Maybe like you're benching, the, you're doing the 150s like, without an effort, just talking to me. And I think you guys can relate when you have a movement that's so ingrained up here, but we've built that over years, you know? And I think the phone would be distracting. Without your phone, you start, like I know on, on a good day, when I go in to lift the fucking weight, it's very meticulous, at least when I was younger and without injury, it was like, you know, pick up the hundreds, pick up the 120s, pick up the 140s, do that set amount of times. And it's like, take 30 second rest. And it has to be very meticulous. You don't go in there without, you know, a repeat plan that you've done something like a day, a week before. I mean, you have this all planned out in your mind. So you can't get on the phone and take a five minute break. Then your pump goes cold. You're screwed. Yeah. Even, yeah, before, during, and after the gym. It's like before, before, during, and after your training is, is when you need to be dialed in. You got to be, you got to be mentally ready before the gym got to be ready during the gym and then after you gotta you gotta be ready to get into that parasympathetic state where you can again it's a practice like you got to be able to practice bringing your your nervous system from the sympathetic heightened arousal state back down into a, a rest and digest state as soon as possible like basically immediately after you lift your last weight you put it down it's like now i got to get into parasympathetic because if i don't i'm i'm potentially tapping into um my, my recovery. Right. So, um, yeah. anyway, I think that would be a cool topic maybe for another day is, is techniques. Cause I, I know, um, Mo, you're, you're big on the visualization. 
do you do you do a meditation practice as well like do you incorporate those two things together um i, I had a time where i was in my off season i was doing like a lot of uh breathing techniques and things like that and I, I like that was honestly more so because i was dealing with like some like out, like other outside life stuff anxiety uh so i, I did have experience uh with meditation but i didn't really use meditation in my prep much it was more so the visualization but i guess at the same time like I would definitely have, you know, I have my pre-workout routine where like I eat my pre-workout meal. I'll get my like pre-workout drink together. I'll, I would just kind of sit on my couch. Like I might be watching YouTube or something, but like at the same time I am going over like what my workout's going to look like, like what I'm hitting today, like how many working sets I'm doing for, for exercise and just get that in my head, you know, already, especially in prep, you know, because I think, you know, the biggest concern of prep is probably doing too much in training. Yep. Right. So you know, my biggest discipline and prep is, you know, limiting the amount of volume I do in my sessions and just making sure my intensity is where it needs to be and my working set and stuff like that. So yeah, that's definitely something I have to like think about before I, I do it to make sure that I don't just go in the gym and, and get distracted and, and end up doing, you know, second guessing my sets, being like, oh, that working set wasn't hard enough. So I'll do another one. And then, then you're tapping into recovery, right? And it's so essential in prep. So that, that was probably something I was more conscious of than anything. That's a good point too, actually, because I think the the one thing that probably most people could get a good, a really good benefit from is, is learning how to take one set to failure, you know, because, because I think that if you can do that, then you can really get a good result with your body. But even if you're doing like three or four sets for an exercise and they're, they're not, they're just not quite at the intensity that you need, but there's a lot of people who believe that it is like a 10 out of 10. Like I pushed myself 10 out of 10, but it might've been like a six or a seven. Cause, cause truthfully they could have had like three or four more reps. Um, or the other scenario is like, I noticed a lot training people, clients, stuff like that. People have a tendency to like avoid that feeling of failure. Like if I'm, if I'm training, whatever I'm training, let's say it's a bench press. And I get to that point where I, I pretty much know that that next, that next rep is going to be, either a failure rep or I've got like one or two left, then what, what I'll see is a lot of the time people will start to change the way that they're performing that lift. So now all of a sudden, instead of a chest exercise, it just became like a shoulder, a front shoulder and tricep exercise. And I did get those reps and I, and I probably believe that I pushed myself 10 out of 10, but I think if, if we could get 10 out of 10 uh, directly onto that muscle by maintaining that, discomfort it's like it's just an avoidance of discomfort i truly believe it's like when you're on those last couple reps of squats you it's hurting it's hurting and your body's telling you to stop but you have to be again it goes back to the neuroplasticity is you have to be able to teach your mind that it's okay to go into that discomfort and not only like just that it's okay but actually to find some enjoyment in it because the more you can you can rewire your brain to enjoy the discomfort of training, the more you're going to not only love training, but you're also going to love the results you get because they're going to be much better. Yeah. And also you made a good point there about um, like, you know, you need, you need to have that, you know, ability to, like you said, like to go to failure, push yourself hard and, and kind of dwell in that pain. Cause that's definitely the reps that count, but you need to be smart as well in the sense that like you don't want to push it so hard that you change your form and it, then it changes the exercise and you think that you're pushing yourself, but now you're actually working a different muscle. You know what I mean? Like you need to have the discipline to 
yeah, like push yourself and, and get those reps that count. But then like, if your form starts to change, like rack that shit because like the job is done. You know what I mean? Like, like don't, don't push yourself to the point where you're being stupid basically. Yeah. A lot of that's to do with the pacing too. Cause if you're pacing correctly, then you, you should transition to the next set and be able to use the momentum and the energy levels. Because if you give yourself too long of a break between sets, then you're going to lose your strength. You're going to lose your focus and you're going to lose that nervous system activation that you've just built up. So if you're not pacing yourself correctly, it's just going to all fall apart too. How long is like an average training session for you guys? Like, you know, it's like a chest workout or a back workout. I would say a good one's an hour and, and, and 25 minutes. I like going longer a little bit. Okay. What about you, Robin? I just brought mine down to like all my sessions being 60 minutes. I don't go over 60 minutes anymore. that's just that's just training though i'll I'll do 15 to 20 minutes of a warm-up but that's like stretching and mobility i so i don't count that but then uh, i just i try to go like 60 minutes as 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 much density in that workout like whether it's like 10 to 12 exercises it's a little bit different than what i used to do because i used to train maybe like hour and a half two hours and i would do like four to five exercises per, per body part now i'm like doing like half the time and doing like twice the the volume it's just different. I don't think it's like better or worse or anything. I just, it's, it's something that I haven't fully adapted to yet. So I, I find it really fun and enjoyable and I'm getting good results. So there you go, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, when are you going to come down, uh, to the East coast again, or not the, you're in the East coast, but when, <laughs> when are you going to come to more central and, uh, come back into pure, we'll get a workout in. Man, I'm coming, uh, I'm coming in November. I'm, I'm trying to nail down some dates, but I definitely want to, the Toronto pro is actually on my, you know, actually, I'm not sure. Do you know the date of the Toronto Pro? July, isn't it? No, no, it's it's, no, it's November, like 11th or something. They're doing November this year. Yeah, so uh, whenever like the Toronto Pro is, I'm gonna be coming around that time for like a week. Is that so, is that your pro debut or? No. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like yeah. It sounds that's what I was wondering too. Nah, man. Like you know, as much as I would want it to be. I like to be completely honest, it wouldn't be healthy for me to continue to prep. Like I, I probably pushed it beyond what I should anyway. Uh, you know, so, you know, getting healthy, getting my blood done and stuff is a big priority for me right now. Well, uh, the best advice I could give you is not to uh, rush into a pro debut. I, I think I did mine a little too soon and I didn't, I didn't improve enough from when I turned pro to my pro debut. Cause it was only like six months later or whatever it was. So I feel like, even if you took like a full year off and then, and then came in and, and fucking just dramatically improved, you'll get yourself on the map because people are like, Oh, you know, like if you don't compete right away, after you turn pro, like people will forget about you and like, no, they won't forget about you because you're going to be doing like YouTube and stuff and things like this. So cool. you're staying, you're staying relevant and you're still, you're still the new guy. You're, you're the new pro. So it's like, people are going to be waiting for you as, as soon as you do a show, like I did a New York pro and I got like ninth or 10th, it was just like, oh, okay, well, fuck it, whatever. That's as good as he is, right? And so I'm like, fuck, <laughs> I should have waited longer. Yeah, uh, and that's kind of my mindset, and I, and I kind of know that. Like, I uh, and then again, like based off the critique I got from the judge and stuff like that, like, like I know I, I definitely need like a solid chunk of time to improve. And and that's the thing. It's like I, I and I learned that early in my career because I competed so much early, and that just ended up in like a bunch of second places. And then when I finally took two years off of a good off season, and then did all these shows, I was very successful. So, you know, I know the benefits of taking the time to have a good off season going into a prep. And yeah, that's the other thing too. Like I want to make it 
a serious impact uh, when I make my pro debut because I just know with my size and my structure, like if I can add 10 or 15 more pounds, especially to my upper body, uh, I think I could be like a contender, uh, you know, to do pretty well at my first pro show, you know, try maybe give them like a top three or a top five. And that's like a, that's something I would be satisfied with. And that's like definitely my goal for my pro debut. So, you know, as, as of now we're looking at, you know, if they bring the Vancouver pro back at the end of next year, which I think that's what they're planning on doing, uh, that would be like perfect timing. And obviously that's like my coach's stomping grounds as well. So, so, you know, as of now, that's kind of where my, my head is at because you're looking at, I mean, 14, 15 months, right? Uh, so tons of time to get healthy, get a good off season in, get a good prep in. And then uh, that's what I'm thinking. And so I would say at the end of 2022, whether it's the Vancouver Pro or something else, yeah, no, that's a good plan for sure, man. Yeah, definitely take that time, like 16, 16 months or so to really grow and like, yeah, take that time so you can pack on the mass where it needs to go. And it's going to be fucking crazy, man. But you'll, uh, you know, you might see me up about pure muscle fitness more than uh, just in November. I'm thinking about maybe making a big transition to uh, come out there and train for, for a long period of time. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that all works out. But either way, I'll definitely be out there in November. Man. So we'll get some training in for sure. Oh, Sounds okay. good. The pros are going to the Mecca, hey? Yeah, well, man, you know what? It kind of makes sense, right? Like, I see what's going on out there. Um, you know, you got all these young, top Canadian pros in one place. Uh, you know, I don't – I'd rather be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond because I know that's how you grow and get better. And, and exactly. That's yeah. exactly That's exactly why – uh, I moved back here from BC to train at pure muscle too, for that exact. And I said the exact same thing. I'm like, you know, it, it feels pretty cool to, to be the big fish around here, but you know, it's just, it's not, it's not pushing me mentally enough that when I, when I show up at the gym and I'm the big guy, now I show up at the gym and I'm not the big guy. I'm like, fuck, this is where I need to be. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I mean, just having the option to learn from you guys as well. Like I know, like I need help with my training tremendously. Like, you know what I'm doing for my shoulders obviously isn't working and like and there's just so many other things like you know that I, I see you guys doing so you guys put up great content and I'm just like I'm learning a little bit from that but then I'm like man if I was in this environment like training with these guys like you know I, I know how much of a game changer that could be so you know I'm committed to this process and you know I want to try to take this competitive bodybuilding thing like as, as far as I, I can and uh I think that would be a big part of it. So, you know, it's, it's not really a hard choice for me to, to you guys like big Mike Wick and, you know, it's Mike Wick, that's how you pronounce it, right? Wick? Van yeah. Wick, yeah. Wick, sure. Van Wick, yeah. Yeah, yeah like me and Dorian had a good conversation too. And, and, you know, he kind of was saying the same thing, you know, about that and like, you know, getting trained with Mike and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that all happens uh, sooner than later. Yeah, sweet man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely, definitely. So uh, I don't want to take too much more of your time, Mo. Uh, I know we all got to eat, but before we head off, I just want to say really appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us. Uh, congrats again on the big win. That's fucking awesome. You looked great. Do you have anybody, um, sponsors or people that you want to give a shout out to or anything like that? We'll give you the last word. Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Uh, awesome, awesome podcast. And uh, if you ever want to have me on just to talk shop or talk about anything in particular, I'd I'm, I'm on that, then you, you said it, we're going to have you. Yeah. We yeah love no, to. No, honestly, man, like, I, I love this stuff. Like, can't, I can't get enough of it. We so, want uh, yeah. got beef. So like, or do you got beef or something about beef? So you're going to be on. All right. Sweet.
Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm good for that. But yeah, no, my sponsor, Jack Factory. Uh, I was Jack Factory's very first athlete when the company started, and they stood by my side since 2017. Like, you know, even when I had some low moments in my career, they stuck by me and they, you know, treated me like I was a pro athlete. And it, it, it definitely helped me uh, get to where I want to be. So shout out to those guys. My meal prep company, Premium Choice Meals, uh, they were also helping prep. Uh, Jack and Wilson posing suits. She makes uh, a Jack and Wilson. She's a bikini pro, but she has JW Couture. Uh, she makes custom posing suits on the East Coast. She's done all my posing suits. They're awesome. So shout out to Jacqueline, um, Engage Fitness clothing company sponsor. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, and just everyone who supported me uh, throughout my prep, friends and family that are watching this. Thanks to you guys because I wouldn't be on this podcast talking to these guys right now if it wasn't for all the help I had getting here. So, uh, yeah, just shout out to everyone that helped me out. Sweet. Really all right, nice. guys, thank you so much for listening. And so, Robin, before, before we cut off, our sponsors. Our sponsors. Well, we've got, we've got Gorilla Wear. Yeah. We've got Helix Sarms. Okay. So you guys can use our code BEEF20, and that will give you 20% off. On both those websites, GrillerWordCanada.com and Helix with two X's online.com. We're going to put the links below. Um, until next time, guys, thank you so much, Big Mo. Make sure you give him a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you for the next episode of Canadian Beef Body Bowl. Very happy for you, Big Mo. Thanks, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You look Thanks great. for coming on, man. Have a good day. We'll talk to you later. See you guys.